0: Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show.
1: As rough as the conference finals have been so far, I would love nothing more than to be starting the show by talking about Golden State and Dallas. I mean, I have never wanted to talk about a crappy basketball game more than I do right now. Unfortunately, I can't. I'm going to say what I've had to say way too many times before. This is not the first time, and I'm sick to say it's not going to be the last time, but this is a sports show. I talk sports, but it is not a dumb show. It is not an ignorant show, and I'm not going to ignore what happened yesterday. 21 people were murdered in an elementary school in Texas. 19 children, two adults. 19 kids went to school yesterday expecting to come home in the afternoon. We're talking about fourth graders. We're talking about 10-year-olds. They had parents, grandparents, cousins, sisters, brothers, people who loved them. They had favorite foods, favorite subjects. They had best friends. And now they're gone. Two adults went to work and never came home. And it's tempting to say it happened again. But why do we keep saying that? Don't say that. It didn't happen again. We let it happen again. You see, mass shootings are not natural disasters. They're man-made disasters. They're gun-made disasters. We're not talking about earthquakes. We're not talking about hurricanes. We're not talking about mudslides. These things happen. There's very little we can do to stop those things. Mass shootings... Are made to happen and yet we do nothing about them if you have not heard Steve Kerr's message from before the game you should in fact let me play part of that right now Um, I'm
2: not going to talk about basketball nothing's uh, happened with our team in the last six hours we're going to start the same way tonight Um, any basketball questions uh, don't matter Since we left shoot-around, 14 children were killed 400 miles from here, and a a teacher. And in the last 10 days, we've had elderly black people killed in a supermarket in Buffalo. We've had Asian churchgoers killed in Southern California, and now we have children murdered at school. When are we going to do something? I'm tired, I'm, I'm so tired of getting up here and offering condolences to, to the devastated families that are out there, I'm so tired of the, excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm tired of the moments of silence, enough. There's 50 senators right now who refuse to vote on H.R. 8, which is a background check rule that the House passed a couple years ago, it's been sitting there for two years.
1: So let me mention a few locations to you, and I bet you can suddenly remember what happened. A movie theater in Colorado, a synagogue in Pennsylvania, a college campus in Virginia, a high school in Florida, a spa in Georgia, a bar and grill in California, a concert in Nevada, a club in Florida, an elementary school in Connecticut, a grocery store in New York, and there's so many more, so many more. And there is a routine to all of this. We're shocked. We send out our thoughts and prayers, and then we do nothing, absolutely nothing, wash, rinse, and repeat. And if it sounds callous, it's true. That's what we do. It is callous. I'm sure some of you think that I'm being pressured to say what I'm saying right now. Trust me, I'm not. Trust this. I would so much rather be talking sports. I'm sure my bosses would rather I'm talking sports, but I can't. Not in this moment. Because there are politicians and there are media members who will say it's too soon to do something about it. that even talking about change is politicizing it. They'll want you to wait until it's too late to do something about it. And then they'll blame video games or mental health or say we should just arm teachers. They'll say that schools are soft targets, that we should harden, like we're talking about a war zone and not elementary schools in rural Texas, and suburban Connecticut. They'll do anything to avoid doing anything. Then they'll truck out the same old weak arguments and flat-out lies, and nothing will happen, and then we'll wait for the next mass murder. You don't believe me. A funeral for one of the victims of the Buffalo mass murder was held yesterday. We couldn't even finish burying the victims of one mass murder before we were on to the next one. And I want to direct something to people who are listening right now and watching right now who own a gun or multiple guns. I'm not saying someone should take away your guns. I'm not saying that. But we have to do something to make it a little more difficult to get them so that kids And victims of hate crimes don't get mowed down on a weekly basis. That's not too much to ask. And if you're with me, great. Let's do something. Speak up. Responsible gun owners standing up and saying, I want common sense gun reform is incredibly powerful. And if what I'm saying makes you upset or makes you uncomfortable, maybe you think about that. Reflect on why you're uncomfortable about people wanting change after 21 people were murdered in a school yesterday. And then reflect on why you wouldn't want that change. And if you really think that our founding fathers wanted this, you're wrong. If you think a bunch of guys who only knew about muskets were saying that people should be rolling around with AR-15s and wiping out 21 people at a time, then you're not the student of history that you think you are. If you don't want to see anything changed, that's fine. Just admit, though, that you're okay with this. Don't waste our time with, what about Chicago? Let's arm teachers, or whatever other tired, weak arguments that you break out for these situations. Just say you're fine with a bunch of kids being murdered in school, because you are. You get what you tolerate. And for far too long, we have tolerated mass murders in our schools, our churches, our synagogues, our grocery stores, our movie theaters, and more. But if what happened yesterday bothers you, do something because thoughts and prayers aren't enough. If they were, we would have the safest schools in the world. Call your elected officials. Pressure them, call them on their crap, get them to pass legislation, call them like your life or your child's life or your parents' life, depends on it, because it might. Get them to protect you. And if they won't, vote them out and find somebody who will. As Kerr said himself yesterday, 90% of Americans want background checks. That's from a poll in 2019. It's that simple but a small group of politicians and a bunch of lobbyists with a lot of money are stopping it. So, is there legislation that will stop all mass shootings? Probably not. But we don't know, because we haven't tried. But, if background checks, for example, stopped one school shooting, wouldn't that be worth it? If it meant 19 kids went home yesterday afternoon and went back to school today, wouldn't that be worth it? And if background checks don't work, Try something else. Keep trying until you find something that stops this. Just don't throw your hands up and say, well, it's too hard, and then do nothing. It's not good enough. Let me leave you with this tweet from a reporter outside the Civic Center last night where families were hoping to be reunited with their children, and they were finding out that they were never going to get reunited. They waited for hours. Quote, The agonized screams of family members are audible from the parking lot. End of quote. I mean, think about what that must be like. Think about what that must feel like. Think about that and then do something. 1-800-636-8686 is my telephone number. Believe me, it's the last way I want to start the program. The last way I want to start this program. And I know it's a sports show, but... It's not an ignorant show. In addition to that, they did play a game last night. And it was another bad game. And what I would have given to start the show by talking about another bad game. But we'll get to that. Mavericks stay alive. They avoid the sweep. And we will discuss that a little bit later on. In addition to that... The smack-off is going to be on June 24th. It is smack-off number 28. We have begun our player profiles. I want to get into the next one. Yesterday, we profiled a dog. Today, we profile a human. Benny in Wisco gets the treatment. We'll have that for you a little later on. I want to talk some hockey, Oilers, Flames. Pretty wild game last night. In fact, I'm adding a hockey guest and we'll have that in hour number three. Believe it or not, the NFL is actually talking about possibly putting an end to the Pro Bowl. Something I've been calling for for years and years and years. I will believe that when I see that. I mean, amazing they'd even discuss it. But I will believe that when I see that. Because if something seems too good to be true, generally it is. Once again, 1-800-636-8686. It is toll free. A little bit of reaction before I go to the break. Rome. No catchy one-liners. No pithy sports pop culture resets. No sports analogies. No jungle soundbite resets. Steve Kerr speaks for me. Period. So glad he said what he said. How he said it. When he said it. I am tired of this. I could not care less about the politics. Eric from the Big Easy. War, this makes me sick. This says, 30 years on the air. I've been listening 25. The last 10 minutes were the best you've ever spoken. Jeff and Altoona. With prices soaring at the pump, Discover has your back with cash back. Use Discover to earn five percent cash back at gas stations and Target now through June on up to fifteen hundred dollars in purchases when you activate. We know every dollar matters right now, but you can count on us. Get up to seventy five dollars cash back this quarter with Discover a card. Limitations do apply. Learn more at discover.com slash rewards, discover.com slash rewards. KJ Osborne is my guest. KJ, nice to have you on. How are you? I'm doing awesome, man. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Good. Always good to have you. So break it down for me. What's it been like in preparation for <clears throat> year number three? How's your off season going so far? What's your process been like?
3: Right. The offseason has been really well, man. Uh, I start my off offseason um, in Miami. You know, down with my trainer, Mo Wells, uh, that's who, who's been doing all my work, you know, ever since I came out, uh, coming from the combine. And, uh, that's where, I, that's where home is, you know, I went to school there. So, um, just working on my speed, getting my body back right. Um, you know, working with my, a couple of my trainers, uh, TA and Goldfeet Global and, and Pete, um, you know, a tight end, you, a couple of guys, I, things I do on the field, a couple of my goals, um, getting ready to kind of go back into to OTAs, you know, new offense, new coaches. Uh, things like that, just making sure I'm prepared.
1: Well, I know you have goals, and I know that you post them where you can see them. I'll get to that in a minute. Now, when you and I spoke in October, we had had a conversation after that game-winning touchdown in overtime against Carolina. That was one of a number of highlights in a breakout season. When you look back on last season, what kind of thoughts do you have, and how does that lay the foundation for what you're looking to achieve this season?
4: Right. The the kind of thoughts it gives
3: me that, you know, I can, I can play in this league. Uh, that i can have success in this league um you know it's, it's giving me a ton of confidence knowing that you know when i go out and I, I put the work in and you know do the little things right that again you know i can be successful um and for me for myself you know i feel it as only scratching the surface man um there's a there's a bunch of things that, that i want to do um uh, to be a you know a premier receiver in this league be one of the best you know slot receivers or you know all-purpose receivers in this league i mean to help my team you know win a championship you know that's our goal here in Minnesota. Um, like I said, we're super excited to having Ko here. Obviously, me playing alongside Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, um, two guys that you know I can continue to learn from, and you know um, I can really be that, that third weapon to take us over the top.
1: KJ Osborne is joining us. I want to be very clear about this. When we talk about you being one of the elite players at the position, we're talking about we're talking about this after you made an enormous leap from special teams in year one to being a significant contributor to this offense to talking about where you fit in among the better receivers in the league. How much pride was there for you to take that step and earning the trust of everybody involved?
4: Right,
3: it was huge because you know my my rookie year. You know, for myself, I feel like I got on a bumpy start. You know, on special teams, you know, I didn't feel like I I really displayed you know my putting my best foot forward. You know, the type of player that I could be. So you know, ever since I walked off the field in Detroit in Week 16 after my rookie year, you know, I kind of you know gotten this this I don't know what to call it. This you know I want to next year is my year. You know, next year this I'm not gonna have the same feeling walking off the field again, you know, at the, the last game of the season. Uh, so, again, I worked my butt off, um, you know, when I came back to OTAs, you know, that was, you know, I, that was like my Super Bowl. You know, I wanted to come back, you know, show you the, the, the team and my coaches, my teammates, you know, the front office, Kirk, um, that I can be trusted, that, you know, I'm somebody that can contribute, um, and, and help this team to, to be better. So uh, that was just kind of my, my goal and my, my mindset, you know, and a lot for me had to do with confidence, um, you know just being comfortable out there and you know playing my game and I um, you know, I want to continue to do that and continue to build
1: KJ Osborne my guest so I want to be clear about something because you cut out for just one brief second when you walked off the field after that 16th game did you just kind of decide was there a flip in your mindset did you decide in that moment that I don't want to feel like that again and I'm going to change the way I do things did you make a conscious decision and then act on that is that what happened
3: Yes, that's that's exactly what happened, and you know it's funny. I've spoke about this before. I actually took a picture in the hotel, you know, just like a picture in the in the mirror, and I'm like, you know, next year I'm not gonna feel like this, you know. Obviously, as a rookie, and I'm coming in, you know, as the season winding down, you know, um, a lot really can't change, you know. You know, we we're deep late in the season, you know, as far as like rotations and things like that. So I mean, I just kind of had to wait for my opportunity. All right, let's let you know, uh, you know. Get off, you know, dust yourself off, you know, let's let's get back in the fight. And that's kind of, you know, what I did walking off that, that field in week 16. I did not take a
1: lot of time off
3: at all, and, um, you know, I hit it.
1: I love that. So, what did you do with that picture? Did you keep that picture? Do you look at that picture? I, I, yes, I do. I, I still do have that picture. You
3: know, the reason I kept it is because, you know, I wanted it to pop up this year. Excuse me, it will be last year. You know, I wanted it to pop up in week 16. It's all right. Did I keep my commitment? You know, so when I, it, like, I, I think I took it on Snapchat because I wanted it to pop up in my memories, you know, the 365 days ago, um, you know, 360 days ago, you know, this is how I felt, you know, how do I feel a year, a, a year later? And, you know, I remember when the picture popped up, you know, I'm like, wow, you know, I, I really put the work in, you know, I'm doing this, so, you know, it was a, it was a kind of proud moment for myself, but uh, you know, I just wanted to, to keep going, but it was something that I intentionally did, you know, so I can kind of hold myself to it.
1: I, mean, I love this story so much. Like I, I'm trying to talk to you about some other things, but just one more thought about that. So when you saw that picture, A year later, like, what kind of thoughts did you have? How did that make you feel? How did you look to yourself in that picture compared to how you looked to yourself a year earlier?
3: Right. It was was just confidence. It was just like, man, I I knew I could do it. You know, I know I can play in this league. I knew, you know, what what, what I could do. And um, one of the things for me was, like, it's not what everybody else says. It's not what everybody else, you know, is writing about or what's going around. You know, it's between me. Um, You know, obviously the story could be, you know, K.J. Osborne, you know, rookie receiver, you know, struggling, you know, yada, yada. You know, so myself, I'm like, you know, why can't the, the, the narrative be, why can't the story be next year? You know, this guy was, you know, we didn't even know if we wanted him on the team. Not think the team saying that, I'm just giving give an example. We didn't know if we wanted this guy on the team to, you know, this guy has, you know, 50 catches, seven touchdowns, whatever, whatever. Um, Of course, to the outsider that, that you know, may have counted me out, it may think that, but, you know, I feel like I, I control the narrative. You know, they – they're gonna say, you know, whatever I do on the field, like I have that, I have that control. So I'm like, you know, after I, I kind of took that picture, like I um, just like I said, went back to the drawing board. You know, what can I do different? How can I come to this more prepared, more it is to to get that chance on the field and uh and be able to be consistent and be confident and you know be able to play. Um, so like I said, it was a it was a moment for myself that you're like you can not do this. So you're like now I get to this year, I'm like, okay, why can't I make an even bigger leap? Why can't I do? The same thing, you know, to, to, to uh, accomplish some of the goals that I want to
1: do now. I love that. My takeaway from that is twofold. One, U-V-U. It's not about everybody else and all the other noise. It's U-V-U. And then number two, ownership. You just owned it. You owned it. I got to be better. Right. I got to do better. I got to improve. K.J. Right. Osborne is joining us. You mentioned K- uh, K.C. or K.O., Kevin O'Connell, your head coach. I had him on the show during the draft. I've got to say, I was really, really impressed talking to him and hearing what he had to say. What are your early impressions of him, and how fired up are you to be playing for him?
3: Oh man, I can speak for the for the whole organization, man. The locker room, man. We love him. Uh, we we love him. Um, you know, he brings a you know a new energy, you know, around the building. Um, you know, obviously the, a great offense that, that's coming in. You know, uh, they're coming in from, from LA like i said we're we're so excited we're super excited you know all the things that um you know we have in store to to do on offense you know he's a super smart guy um you know really really cool and easy to talk to you know makes us feel really comfortable like kind of like that that family feeling again almost like you like we're in college um so we we love them around the building, and you know, we're super excited for them
1: here in Minnesota. I see. You started to touch on this, but if you could again, when you look at the Rams' offense and you look at the way they spread the ball around in the passing game, what kind of thoughts do you have, or better yet, what kind of a role do you anticipate for yourself this year?
3: Right. Um, when I look at that offense, obviously you know they're, they're spreading it out, and you know, they're doing multiple things. They're going fast, they're going slow, they're, they're controlling the tempo. Uh, they, have, they have the ability to do a lot of different things, and I think we have that as well. Obviously, you know us three at receiver. You know we got we got Herb coming back from from tight end, so I'm super excited about. Um, obviously got we got Dalvin and Maddie back there. You know we're obviously led by Kirk. I feel like we have a lot of weapons as well. Um, that you know a, a great coach like like Ko and our our OC Wes Phillips to be able you know play with and move all around. Um, so I'm super excited, man. Uh, my, as far as role, um, I think I'll be more like you know kind of all around. I'm, I'm a guy you know I can play X, I can play Z, I can play F. Um, obviously uh. You know, my main position is F, but I'm a guy that can kind of move all around. I can play inside or outside, you know, rather than be be blocking or, you know, bubbles or, you uh, you know, going deep across the middle, make third down catches. Um, so it doesn't really matter. I feel like more kind of like a little chess piece and of kind, of, kind of moving around.
1: I like it. K.J. Osborne joining us. Hey, before I ask you about your camp, I need to ask you about your dog, a.k.a. at Fat Larry. Last time you and I talked yeah. about your dog, Larry, a.k.a. at Fat Larry on Instagram. He was trying to bite your ankles during our conversation. I know that he recently <laughs> graduated from doggy school. How did he do in class?
3: Oh, man, he did. He did amazing. He did amazing. You know, for some reason, Larry is always, he always steals the show. Uh, wherever we go, rather than be in class or we walk into the airport, you know, Larry always gets the attention. So, uh, he did, he did an excellent job. I was really proud of him. Last, last couple uh classes, he got a little bit of senioritis, uh, you know, trying, trying to lay down how to get him going a little bit. But, uh, I'm, I'm really proud of him. He, he's doing a great job. He did a great job.
1: He got senioritis. KJ Osborne joining us. All right, so after the season was over, you went back to your high school in Ypsilanti, Michigan. You spoke to the kids there. How did it feel to be back there as a role model, and what was your message to them?
3: Yeah, it was it was a dream come true, man. It was a dream um, come true myself and, and Tyler Maber, who I'll touch on later, obviously about the camp. Um, not many people know if they do or not. You know, me and Tyler have been best friends since we were sixth grade. Went to middle school together, high school at Lincoln High School, high school at IMG together down in Bradenton, Florida. Went to Buffalo together, and then when I transferred to Miami, he went to, to Maryland. But that has always been our goal since we were, you know, those kids that I was speaking to. You know, we want to make it to the NFL. We want to come back and pour it into our community because, you know, from Isla and Michigan, you know, we don't, we don't really have guys that, you know, are going to the NFL, um, you know, then are coming back and, you know, doing a lot of things. You know, our, our first goal was just to go deep one, um, And that was, that was our goal. So, man, again, that was a dream come true, man, um, going back and speaking to those kids, you know, pouring into them. Um, and I was just kind of telling them about, you know, hard work and what hard work does for you. Um, I feel like that's that's kind of my story, man. Um, I, I came out of out of high school, and I think I was like a two-star recruit. I really only had the University at Buffalo as my only offer. Um, you know, I kind of just grinded my way up, you know, to to, to try to be the player that I was. Uh, obviously, I, I went to Miami, and, you know, um, you know I was able to have success there in the fifth-round pick, and then kind of how my rookie year went, and then going to year two, having some success. Um, that's just kind of how my, my – approach has been and and my story is just hard work and grit and and fight you know um you know it's never really been you know just a simple you know you know easy way so that's all just kind of talking to the kids about um just what hard work can do you know focus you know being in our community things like that so again man that was a that was a dream come true and i was really happy that i was able to do that and i'm looking forward to doing more
1: great great story great testimonial all right kj what about the camp itself it's june 11th why is this something that you wanted to do? And if kids want to come, it's free. If kids want to come, how do they go about doing so?
4: Right.
3: So it was, it was something I, I, that I wanted to do again, man, because we didn't we didn't have that, you know. When I was when I was growing up, you know, um, you know, and, and it's not like it's just like not in my hometown. It's just not, you know, common that you know you have NFL players obviously being in a position that we are, that I'm blessed to be in, to so to come back and be able to pour into you. So I'm like, well, you know, what a tremendous opportunity. Uh, for for myself and Tyler to to go back, you know, pour to these kids. You know, these kids need love, man. These kids need love these days, and you know, um, to go out there and have fun. You know, also you know, we we want to teach them. You know, teach them how to compete a little bit. You know, teach them um, things that you know they may not have have learned. You know, and who wouldn't want to learn from a from a from NFL players? You know, I, I know I would have when I was in sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. Um, so I think that it was it was a tremendous opportunity for us. Again, something that we've wanted to since we were in sixth grade. So we're really happy that we're able to fulfill it. Uh, the camp is actually sold out. It sold out mm. pretty fast, uh, but this is our this is our first one. It was in it was in my the link in my bio. But actually, we do have some a uh, couple other shirts available. So for kids that are able to walk up, um, they they'll be able to do so. And again, we wanted to make it free, man. Uh, it's not about the money. It's about pouring back. Like I said, these kids need love, especially these days. Um, uh, while we're here, like I want my my, my prayers go out to the, the families in Texas uh, that 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 had that that tragic thing happen, man. There's so much stuff going on in our world today, man. These kids. Um, they just need love and to, to have fun and to show them that people love them and care on them, man. Um, so that's why it was free. That's why we we're good again.
1: Good for you. Um, we can't do again for more in the future. I love that. Good for you. K.J. Osborne, my guest That Youth Football camp is June 11th. It's already sold out. It's free. He is a wide receiver with the Vikings entering his third season there, coming off a career-high year. We had 50 receptions and huge expectations for the coming season. K.J., great to have you back. Thank you so much. And I know you and I will do it again soon. I appreciate you. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. Are you craving because some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake or eat a bar. In, Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old, old Trapper beef jerky is beef. tasty and tender you and you made with real strips of steak right you and quality spices. Just get get, get right. smoked over wood so, fire. And it, it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Or Trapper, what's your beef? Also, if you want to call with a beef, you can. 1-800-636-8686. Jimothy, I've got beef with the guy who yells, Let's go! When he walks into a party. Let's go. Go grow the hell up, frat bro. And at least act like you have the minimum brain cells required to greet other people. Tyler in the O.C. My man, how old is this bro? Are we talking about a 30-year-old who does that, or are we talking about a 50-year-old? Are we talking about a 75-year-old? Imagine Ritt rolling into a party. Let's go! Game on. Actually, I can imagine that. Where's the hot chocolate? Where are the Skittles? Let's go! (laughs) This guy's great. My beef is with ladies older than Rit. They try to act like they listen to and enjoy current music. Hey, Grandma, quit twerking to Bad Bunny and Cardi B. Nobody needs to see that or hear you cackle, I love this song. Go home and listen to your fog hat and step in wolf like the rest of us fossils. Rip in Pensacola. How many grandmas do you know listen to Hat? Wait, is grandma like twerking to slow ride? Take it easy. That'd be cool. That's what I need to see. Hello, Jim. Rip, you're the clubhouse leader. You might win with that. Hello, Jim. My beef is with the dad of the foster care kids from the movie Angels in the Outfield. That deadbeat promises to be in their life again, only if a terrible team wins the American League. Then when they actually start winning, he backs off his own bet. Dude is a terrible dad and a terrible sports better. Nasty combination. Jeff from PDX. This says, my beef is with public speakers who start speeches by saying, good morning, and then pause and say, oh, come on. We can do better than that. I said, good morning. I'm telling you, dude, you lost me right there, and I am now leaving you a one-star review. Be better. Oh, Eric in Colorado Springs. Eric, I do a little public speaking myself. I'm going to remember that. That's actually good advice. I'm not going to use that joke. Not even a joke, but an open or greeting. Good morning. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. Good morning.
0: Oh, come on.
1: This guy's like, yeah, one star. You're not going to have a good morning when you see this. Count Smacula, my beef is with the price of coffee. Why do 16 ounces of a product... That Literally grows on trees, cost more than a gallon of gasoline, which comes from dinosaur remains, drilled for in the Gulf of Mexico, heavily refined and shipped around the country in specialized tankers. Even after that butthole from Russia started World War III and shot the price of gas through the roof my 16 ounce latte still costs two dollars more
2: regards derek
1: and des moines that's good that's really good i like it derek hey rome i have a beef with my golf buddies that don't get my rome show drops when we play like when i hit a bad drive and drop Not good. Not good. Below not good. Below not good. Or when I don't putt well and I say, I'm struggling. Struggling. Then a guy says, what did you get on that hole? I say a double. Double. These bags need to listen to your show. Aaron in Iowa. Aaron, make it happen. Double. Get on them so they understand. Hey, Jim, my beef is, why is there not a cancel button in the elevator? How many times have you stepped in the elevator only to find some kid pushed all the buttons, making you stop at every floor on your way to your destination? War, stop doing that, kid. War, cancel button. Dean in the FTW. Rome. My beef is with strangers, They keep referring to me as my man. Look, guy, you're just some greasy salesman cold calling me, trying to make me part with some of my hard-earned Benjamins. I'm not, quote, your man. I'm not your anything. Drez in C-Town. Where's Steve Kerr? Yo, my man, take it easy. What's up, my guy? What's up, Home Slice? Yo, Chief. At Evan in the Bay, my beef is your segment title, What's Your Beef? How antiquated. It should be, What's Your Tofu? Regards, vegans. I see what you did there, Evan. Hey, Jim. This week, one of those electric rental scooter companies Dropped off 500 of those death traps all over my city. There is no training or helmets required. You just hop on and cruise all over downtown, ignoring all traffic laws or a sense of danger. And if you are lucky enough to not run over an old lady or not bust your tailbone falling off one of these things, you just leave it strewn about the sidewalks when you're done for innocent bystanders to trip over. War Ray Craig, building a motorized shopping cart out of electric scooter parts. Evan in Oregon. This says, my beef is with people who don't know how to use an escalator. You go up, you go down. You get to the landing and you keep moving forward. You and your party don't mean to stop and stand right there to figure out where you're going. Phil and in Indy. Are there people that don't know how to use the escalator? I guess. This says, my beef is when you're at the supermarket looking for something, you find a staff member nearby, so you ask where the KY is. Instead of telling you where it is, they just come and start looking for it with you. So lame. Regards, Steve K. All right, Steve. Hey, Jimbo. My beef is that there aren't more dogs barking out smack. Scott from Jamestown, New York. Dear Rome, my beef is with Paul's dog. A talking dog. This is a modern miracle and we are somehow wasting the potential of this commendable canine on off-key sports takes and howling smack. Paul's dog is more than just a dog. He's an inspiration. Throw the world a bone and get that dog out there in front of the world to talk real issues. The world loves dogs, and maybe just maybe. This hardy hound can unite the world to take on all the pressing challenges that we face today. War jungle family. War nitrate-free jerky. Johnny in Oregon.
2: Trade pros. Whether you specialize in service or new construction, Ferguson knows firsthand how much work goes into a long day on the job, which is why we're committed to offering the products and solutions to get every job done right. With over a thousand locations, an unmatched selection of specialty products, tools, and supplies, our pro pickup and same or next day delivery, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson will be the easiest part of your hard day's work. Visit ferguson.com to find a counter location near you.
1: All right, let's go to the phones. 1-800-636-8686. Call me with your beef. Phone lines are open. Let's go to Largo, Florida. Bernie, Bernie, what's your beef?
4: Hey, Rom. My problem is with the studios, studio guys before a football game or something, and they're talking about Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, and they got to say their full name every damn time for seven or eight minutes. I know who you're talking about, bro. It doesn't have to be full name.
1: That's my beef, bro. Thanks, Jim. All right, Bernie, thank you. As somebody who appears on one of those pregame shows, I know exactly what you're talking about. Believe me. That, that small piece of real estate that I have on the NFL Today and CBS, I fight for that small piece of real estate. Believe me, I know every word I say. He's got a point. 1-800-636-8686. However, others would suggest that there's a crossover audience and maybe they don't know who you're talking about. Let's go to Omaha. She's been here before. Kathleen in Omaha. Kathleen, what is this week's beef?
0: (laughs) Golf is the suckiest so-called sport. Everyone kisses Tiger Woods' ass, but Bryson is the one worth watching, not the old turkey, earthworms, Tiger and Phil. Bryson is a nice 240-pound steak and the best-looking golfer.
1: Kathleen, thirsty as always. Bryson is a nice 240-pound steak. Thirsty much? And she kept her streak alive and has never once greeted me with a phone call. Never once said, thanks, Rome. Hey, Rome. What's up, Rome? My beef, Rome. And I hope she never does. Never, ever, ever, Kathleen. I'm not going to tell you what to say or what not to say, but never, ever, 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 ever address me. Ever. This is one of my favorite streaks on the program. The beef segment continues for another moment or so. 1-800-636-8686. Here's one. Rome, Tanamo Bay. My beef is with the losers who live the driving range, but they don't hit balls. They got a Miller Lite. That they've been sipping on for three hours, and they're waiting for that one girl to show up who's golfing on her own. Then they try to pick up on her, give tips. They've got no idea what they're talking about, and they're making her worse. You're a creep. You suck at golf. Double idiot. V in the fee. I did not expect that from you, V. I mean, I didn't know what to expect, but... Hey, Jim, my beef is with the phrase, complete stop that term is redundant the word stop means to cease to stop moving hey illiterates work on your word comprehension war politicians growing a backbone or getting voted out of office if they will not grow a backbone steven stockton i like that kind of bouncing back and forth between The tweets and the calls. Let's go to Wisco. Scott in Wisconsin. Scott, what's your beef?
5: What's up, Tim? My my beef is with sandwich spread and pickle loaf. That doesn't make a sandwich. And I hope my wife's listening because I'm just disgusted. I'm out.
1: Scott, that's what the beef segment's for, right? You feel better now? If you have a beef, if there's something that is disgusting to you, hit me with it. If you find something revolting, hit me with that. Do it, and do it, and millions of people will hear it, and then maybe you'll feel better. That guy sounded, I don't want to say happy, but he sounded better after he got that off his chest. Whatever that was that he got off his chest. Let's go to Oregon. The beef segment continues. We do it once a week. It's always on Wednesday. Dan in Oregon. Dan, what is your beef?
5: Yeah, uh, I'm a nurse, and I've been doing it a while, same place. Uh, every annual review, what are, what are my goals, and how do I want to grow? And I just want to get to work. I don't want anyone to die. And uh, I want to go home.
1: I got you, Dan. There's his annual work review. What are my goals? Do not have to do this every single year. Do not have to tell you what my goals are. Dan in Oregon. he He just did his annual work review for the entire jungle. Let's go to Fort Lauderdale. James. Good to have you, James. What's your beef?
4: My my beef is with that guy that was that you get picks from that has that dog car wash idea. Yeah, that guy, I listened to his picks on the heat and the horse, and I didn't get a doggone dollar in return. <laughs> Terrible pick. Get rid of that guy.
1: I've tried, man. I've tried, James in Fort Lauderdale. I tried. I tried pushing him through a doorway once and he got stuck. hey oh, Listen. Hey! He hit the PGA. He hit the Preakness. What more do you want from this guy? That that whole dog wash thing I get. I get your beef, I mean, about the dog wash thing. Because I don't really get the dog wash thing. And I'm a dog guy. And yeah, you want clean dog. Why he's building a dog wash into his car wash, I really don't know. But it must be... I want to say it must be a good idea because the guy does make money. Hell, he gets paid full time for showing up here once a week. You can't have a head that big and not have like brain cells. Anyway, that guy had a bad experience with big head bets. If you hit it once, if you drop in once and it doesn't go well, I could see where you might feel badly about it, but it's really not fair. You know, just like if you walk into a casino and you win, it's not going to be like that every single time either. Quickly, let's go to Indy. Carl in Indy. Carl, what's your beef? Jim,
4: my beef is with Weekend Golf Hack Putter Guy. We're standing in the fairway looking up at the green. This one dude reads his putt from 12 different angles, takes 10 minutes, then promptly steps up and rockets it by 10 or 12 feet or potentially off of the grain while we stand sweating.
1: Sucks. I feel you. I think that's legit. Your beef, I mean, that's a legitimate beef, and not an uncommon one. I'm sure many of you can relate to that. 1-800-636-8686. We're still going. Let's go to Vancouver. Mike in Vancouver. I love Vancouver. God, what a great town. Mike, what is your beef?
4: Paul. Ever since he brought that bitch home from the pound, he's been running around here, sniffing everybody's trophies and stuff. I wish he would just throw a ball across the street so his ass will get ran over.
1: That's a little harsh. He's talking about Paul because of Paul's dog, and he owns the dog, so he wants to throw a ball across the street so somebody will run the dog over. We did the whole genesis of this during our... First of all, I don't understand the polarization a Paul's dog. I don't understand why you hate Paul's dog so much. The show needs more of that, believe it or not. Like some of you are acting like it's the worst thing that ever happened. Some of you are acting like, hey, Rome, it's the worst thing ever for your brand. It's beneath you. It's beneath your reputation. It's beneath you as a Radio Hall of Famer. I'm here to tell you, since I'm me, I can speak for me and I can speak for my brand. No, it's not. It's not bad for the brand. In fact, it's good for the brand. You know why? It's different. It's clever. It's funny. It's a talking dog. And not just a talking dog, but a funny dog. And again, different, clever, and creative always work. They never go out of style. That's always good for brand. Always good for the brand. Are you done, Shock? Have you had enough? All right. Hello, Room. room. Hello. Like it or not, that dog is here to stay. That dog is getting better. And that dog is getting more and more polarizing. And that dog has a golden ticket. And that dog will be invited. Day of. Smack off number 28 is June 24th. And you are running out of time. You know, I had wanted to do a player profile of Benny and Wisco. No one close to you should have to endure the dreaded knock on the door. The knock that comes from a police officer who must tell your loved ones that you were killed in a car crash. It's a message that gets even worse when they learn that your death may have been prevented if you had only been wearing a seatbelt. The simple fact is, regardless of what type of vehicle you ride in, seatbelt use is the single most effective way to stay alive in a crash. That's why the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration is spreading the word. We want to raise the profile of seatbelt safety so we can save lives. So whether you're going on a cross-country trip or just right up the street, please buckle up. Don't risk it. And remember, click it or tick it. Brought to you by NHTSA. Brandon Marsh is my guest. Brandon, really nice to have you on. How are you?
5: Doing great. How about yourself?
1: Good, good. So a few things I want to talk to you about, but I want to start with that home run that you brought back in the fourth inning last night. It seemed like you had that ball tracked all the way. Can you take me through it? What did you see, and then how good did it feel to bring that one back?
5: Uh, it was, uh, I, it was, it was cool. I had a, I had a bunch of time to to find the wall and uh, to get to my spot so I can leap. Uh, you know, uh, he hit it. He hit it pretty high, like forty plus. Uh, degree launch angle so uh, I had a bunch of time to get under and find my spot and shoot my shot so yeah it it was a a fun time.
1: Brandon Marsh my guest let me ask you this you had a big day at the plate too you went three for four and you had a run scored so what's more satisfying to you a big day at the plate or a home run robbing catch?
5: Uh, I definitely say for me defense I, like, I, lo- I, lo- I love some good defense, so uh, I would definitely say that that's more that's more fun for me.
1: All right, I get that. Now, I'm not sure what's better, the catch or the way your hair and your beard <laughs> were flowing on that play, dude. I've talked to a lot of guys over the years about this who have either long hair or great beards. They always tell me there is power in the follicles. There's power in the hair. So how much power <laughs> is there then in a one-two combo of the long hair and the beard because you don't come across that very often?
5: Uh, you know what, man? I don't know, but uh, I, I hope I hope there's a lot of I hope there's a lot of a lot of special power in it. <laughs> Brandon Marsh,
1: there's got to be right. Like you said, for instance, you used to have a Bieber flip, but when it comes to the facial hair, you were a late bloomer, and that your facial hair was not connecting back in the day. When did you finally get that beard to work like that? And then, how much pride is there in that?
5: Uh, I would say I would say probably back in. Uh, late 2019 2020 it started to come together a little bit and uh let's say 20 the late 2020 early 2021 it started to started to to blossom a bit and uh, I've been, I've been rocking with it since it's very special to me it's kind of it's kind of who I am now, and uh, I'm just I'm, I'm rocking with it as long as I can. Oh
1: heck yes, it's great. So last night, Brandon Marsh, my guest, last night Noah Syndergaard retired the first e or actually 13 Rangers that he faced. He went eight strong innings. He allowed just one run. I'm curious, when he's dealing like that, how much energy and juice does that give everybody else on the team?
5: It, it just it brings everyone else confidence, you know, just to go. Uh, to play good behind them and just to try to get him some run support. So, uh, the, the bats, they were, uh, they were working last night. Uh, it was, uh, you know, Noah, he was lights out on the bump, uh, loop and Iggy came in, shut it down. It was, uh, all around just a good, good, good team win, man. It was, uh, it was, uh, it, was, it was fun to be a part of that game last night.
1: You know, Brandon, I'm not that far from you or the stadium. In fact, I was at the stadium a few nights back, and I grew up in Southern California. I've spent my entire life here, so I understand what it means. I understand how hungry this fan base is to get back to the postseason. I also understand that it's a long, long, long year, and it's kind of silly to talk postseason in May, but does this feel like a team that has something special in it?
5: Uh, I would, I would, I would definitely say so. Uh, like you said, not looking too, too far ahead. We're only a quarter of the way through the, through the season, but, uh, you, would, uh, you'd have to be silly if people weren't, uh, you know, thinking about going to the post season. Uh, that's the goal for everyone. And, uh, we have a very special, uh, talented group and, uh, we just, we just got to keep this train rolling and keep, uh, keep this momentum and keep feeding off each other. And, uh, we should be right where we want to be when the time comes.
1: We're talking to Brandon Marsh. So much talent in that clubhouse. Like, you came into a clubhouse with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. You've said that what Otani does is like the most amazing thing you've ever seen with your own eyes. I mean, you're a really gifted athlete. You were a second-round draft pick. You were a highly touted prospect. And you're playing at a really high level. So, what do you think when you see Otani throw triple digits and then have that amazing power that he has at the plate?
5: Yeah, it's People people ask me, you know, all the time just about about Shohei and I tell him every time it never gets old if if anything gets there's something new every time he's out there on the bump or he's up there at the plate. So uh he's he's special man. He's uh he's a one he's a one of a kind and uh just a incredible dude, you know. We're we're blessed to have him on our side.
1: So the story goes that when you were in AAA, you were asleep and you got the call from your manager that you were getting promoted to the majors. <laughs> what do you remember about that moment and knowing that you were going to make your major league debut? Uh,
5: it was uh, it was weird because I uh, it was early in the morning when I got the call from uh, our manager in Salt Lake, and I thought I was dreaming. So <laughs> it's uh, it was uh, it was it was awesome. You know, I called my mom, and then it kind of. Then it kinda like sunk in. I was like, dang, this is uh this is happening. Uh you know, it it felt it felt awesome and uh you know, we just been we've just been riding with it ever since and we just gotta keep it going.
1: Hey Brandon, I can't even imagine, like I did this for so long and then I had a couple of sons and then they both played baseball and you know, just normal high school baseball players, right? But they go through the track and they play travel ball and then it's like I, I don't know what it is, but sitting in the stands and watching my son, who's now a junior in high school, pitch, is like the most nerve-wracking thing in the world. I can't even imagine what it must have been like for your mom, you know, for your family, for you yourself. Well when you finally made that major league debut? Did it feel like baseball is baseball? I've got a process, or what was that day like for you?
5: Uh, that the uh, that day against the against the Mariners, that the game was uh the the speed of the game felt uh super super fast and i don't i don't think i took i don't think i took the breath and tried to slow it down i think i tried to to go fast with it and it was a it was it was a super super cool day but it was it was eye opening for sure you know just knowing uh that uh these guys are that are they're super legit up here and in order for me to stay here i gotta get with the program so it <laughs> uh it was it was awesome, you know, being in the locker room with uh, you know all those guys that you mentioned earlier, and uh, just uh, one of the best one of the best days of my life, and uh, you know, super grateful for
1: it. That's cool, Brandon Marsh, my guest for another moment or so. Is that a matter of, and it's like the hardest thing, right? Simple but not easy. This whole notion of try easier is that kind of what that is? Like try easier? Yeah,
5: yeah, just trying to slow it down a little bit so it doesn't it doesn't get too fast for you.
1: Let me ask you this. Finally, you you talk about being a great athlete. You you come from a family of athletes. Your sister Erin won the ACC championship in the heptathlon. What was it like to grow up in such an athletic and competitive family? Uh,
5: it was it was it was. I thought I thought it was super fun. You know, uh, always competing against my sister. My sister should show up. whenever I, I was getting picked up for. Uh, you know, little, uh, little league football practice and she'd come and race all the guys. So (laughs) it was, uh, and she'd beat over half of us, so it's, uh, she, she's awesome, man. Uh, you know, my mom, you know, she, she, she loves playing some tennis. So, uh, I used to grow up and play some tennis with her and, you know, beat her most of the time and get her, get her mad. And we'd, we'd, uh, we'd have some fun with that. But, uh, you know, it's 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 all fun. You know, we all compete with each other, even with the littlest things that we when you wouldn't expect it. So, super competitive family, and uh, I think that uh, helps plays it and uh, to all of our lives today.
1: You know, we talk about this all the time, but you obviously played a lot of different sports growing up. Is that helping you right now, or you know, because I see this also the culture of baseball, especially here in Orange County, like you know, specialize, specialize, specialize in Georgia you obviously were playing other sports did that help make you a better baseball player
5: um I wouldn't say help makes me a better baseball player I would say maybe on like the uh the mental side or the uh you know the preparation or just just the way you go about the uh the day just the attitude you know I think I, I take a little football attitude uh I bring a little football attitude into the clubhouse and uh I think that helps. That helps gets gets me going, you know, before a before a six thirty game, and uh, uh, just ready just ready for that. The the football definitely helped. I, I would I would say so. Maybe not physically, it, it, it tore me down a bit, but uh, uh, mentally, it, it got me it got me locked in, ready for these games, man.
1: Mindset. The Angels playing really good baseball. They're a game out of first in the AL West. A lot of baseball still to be played. But it's exciting to have them there and talking about it. Their outfielder, Brandon Marsh, our guest. Brandon, great to have you on. Appreciate you. Appreciate the conversation. And great to talk some Angels baseball. Thanks so much.
5: No, thank you. Appreciate you guys having me, man. That
1: was fun. Let's go to Buffalo. Kathy. It's good to have you on the show, Kathy. How are you? Good. I would
0: just like to say that I'm very happy that you're doing this segment I feel that all of us in any community around the world as individuals have to also step up. You, you're aware when somebody's not quite right. I mean, this kid could have not, there's something was definitely wrong with him. I mean, he shot his own grandmother. People need to get out in the community, make this aware. This kid should have never been legally allowed to get a gun. Same with the shooting in Buffalo. I, I, from what we hear, he legally bought the gun. Like, I don't understand. He threatened his high school, his whole high school class, that he was going to blow him up on graduation day, and he's legally able to get a gun? As individuals, we got to speak out. We've got to make it known that somebody's not right. I mean, these aren't normal people that are just going into schools and shooting them up. They're, they're not right. And yeah. there's lots of warning signs once they start investigating all this and... Why aren't people coming forward? Somebody knew he got a gun. Right. Somebody should have been like, hey, this dude shouldn't have a gun. I mean, I, I don't
1: know. Right. Let me jump in. Kathy, thank you very much. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate your thoughts. Again, I'm not saying that I know of a piece of legislation that would put an end to mass shootings, massacres. Let's go to Utah, Bo. Nice to have you on the show, Bo. How are you?
4: Hey, Jim, how's it going, buddy? Good, good. Uh, I'm just, I'm so fed up, man. I mean, I know you remember the shooting that happened over at the borderline in Thousand Oaks. I grew up in Ventura, California. I'm so sick and tired of these people doing this with their guns, and then the attorneys go and say, well, they had mental problems. Well, then, damn it, fix it. I'm sick and tired of these these people losing their kids, man. It's like we got to do something. If somebody has a mental problem, then don't sell them a gun. Quit trying to make a, a profit and a commission and deny the people and stand up for what is right. Then we're not going to have this problem anymore. I'm sorry. I'm just, This really hits home. I'll, I'll, I'll bug out and let you talk about it. Thanks, brother. All
1: right, Bo. Thank you. Missouri. Fred in Missouri. Nice to have you, Fred. How are you?
4: Hey, Jim. Uh, First time, long time. Listening to 25 years. I've never felt compelled to call you the show before. But uh, I'm a local news host at a small town in uh, in Pittsburgh, Kansas. And I'll tell you, reading the news today over the show, uh, my voice cracked nearly every time I had to read something. I have a wife, eighth grade teacher. I have two kids, five and seven years old. And uh, yesterday was very difficult. And I'm just so glad that you more than acknowledged what's going on in our country. And uh, sports is secondary in my life. I listen to you when I drive home after the news and to get caught up on, uh, up on sports and to laugh and to listen to you. But we really need to do something about guns. You know, I live out here in gun country. I get it. Guns are important to people. But at what cost? And what deterioration of our society? And uh, it's just really, really disheartening to see what's happening down in Texas, Buffalo, wherever it happens. And uh, I just hope people stand up and say enough
1: is enough. I appreciate you, Fred. Thank you very much. Lori is an ethics professor at the school that I went to, UC Santa Barbara, and she does check in occasionally. So we go there right now. Lori, it's nice to have you back. How are you?
6: I'm well, Jim. Thank you. How are you?
1: I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank you.
6: So I was you know there are times when you really elevate what you do by being topical in ways that aren't necessarily expected on a sports uh, sports talk show. And I so appreciate your leading with your comments and Steve Kerr's comments. As an ethicist, we deal with topics that um, are not necessarily not necessarily illegal, but that are wrong. And what I want to put a name. Because we categorize things. I want to put a name to what Steve Kerr said. What he's talking about specifically is conflict of interest. The politicians that he called out and rightly so are afraid uh, that they will lose their next election from, you know, if they take a stand on gun registration or limiting gun ownership because they will be attacked by the NRA or other powerful gun lobbies. And so they're putting their self interest ahead of what they were elected by their uh, citizens and constituents to do, which is to protect all of us and to enhance the common good and the public welfare. So that is a serious conflict of interest, as you know, shows itself in many different forms. And this is a really serious issue. And that is what Steve Crow was talking about. And that is why, as you said in your open, people need to talk to and besiege their legislators with their opinions and try to get them to change what they're doing, let them know they will lose their vote if they don't.
1: Sacramento, Ryan in Town. Ryan, good morning. Hey,
7: good morning, Jim. How you doing?
1: I'm all right. How about you?
7: Hanging in there, brother. Um, these things are never easy. Um, I, you know, We're a big jungle family. A lot of us clones. Um, I had to hit up Mach Moda, Frank and Boise, and Matt in L.A. just to get some advice because my wife and I knew that we needed to sit down, my seven-year-old, and talk to him about this. And we asked him if he would be in that situation at school, what would he do? And he said he wouldn't be scared. And we said, why wouldn't you be scared? And he goes, look, I can just hit reset like on Mario Brothers and get another life. And it was one of the hardest conversations that I had to have with him. And now he is in his bedroom scared because he does not want to go to school today. And quite frankly, I can't blame him. So my heart goes out to the victims of everything or of what happened. And my heart goes out to the survivors, too, because we're talking about children that saw things that nobody should ever see. And they're going to be affected the rest of their lives because of that. So thank you so much for your opening take and bringing attention to this. And, uh, yeah, I'm out, brother. Good night now!